I'm Robert Therrell. I'm Chase Bridges. And we both want to be screenwriters. So listen along as we find out how. Each week we'll outline a new short film. And maybe even write some of our favorites. This is Written By. Let's get it started and ha! Let's get it started and yeah, yeah. Welcome back to Written by Podcast, the number one podcast in the world. Right behind all the others, I think I just broke this mic stand. How'd you break it? Oh no, this little thing just unscrews. It came <laughs> off. <laughs> I was like, "How did you break that? That's impressive." How you doing, Chase? <laughs> I am doing good. I have been watching a lot of Survivor. Okay, I've never seen an episode of Survivor. Oh, ho, ho. What is a What is it about that show that's like this is how I'm spending it is the, the entirety of I winter? Think, dude, I've binged 21 seasons. I'm on season 22. It's the epitome of reality TV, if you ask me. Okay. Um because it's like uh, the classic question that the Lord of the Flies asks: uh-huh. If you put a bunch of people on an abandoned I- island, how would that, with no rules or anything like that, how would they react? So you're learning a lot about people, and there's fun games and competitions. People are getting voted out left and right. There's drama. There's uh, reoccurring, um, like I guess characters, like contestants. Like, there's an all-star season every few seasons, which means you get to see all your favorites from your previous seasons. I get really into it. Here's what here's what I recommend, Robert. Okay. This is what I'm gonna, me and PD are potentially going to do a Survivor podcast oh, where we wow. go through and watch every episode ever and talk Hearing about it. it here first. Well, technically, we talk about it on Church Stories. But, oh, okay. Damn. <laughs> I haven't but you're it. hearing it here in more detail. Yes. Uh, I would recommend, if we end up doing that, Watching along with us, okay, and and getting into it because it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been up to, man? Man, I'm a. I've started this new feature. This mic is still falling down. <laughs> hey, man, you're struggling. Do you want a different mic stand? I think we'll be good. <laughs> we'll see. So you started your new feature. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was it was a bit harder this week than last week. I think okay. like I had the like starting a new feature buzz and just like and so you got got a bunch your... out. Yeah. And now now I've kind of crashed from that a little. So I I got to settle more into like what the rest of this is gonna look like. But yeah, yeah I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Sundance, the film festival was it's virtual. Off. Yes, it was virtual. I managed to get a ticket for a movie because someone else made a movie that's. Somewhat similar. It's in the same ballpark yeah. as what I want to write. And yeah, I thought it was you fun. You got a ticket for it? Yeah. yeah That's I awesome. Did, did you have to it pay? Today. It was $20. But, ah, yeah. But it seems kind of worth it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You're getting to like, it's probably not going to come out for like another six months at least. At least. Sometimes it's it could a year. Be, yeah. More. And if it doesn't get picked up for distribution, yeah. it could be never. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't do well. So did you watch it? Yeah. It was yeah. good? Yeah. I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Awesome. 
It's uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't I don't want to give too much away about right. what I'm writing. So, right, because our fans didn't pay twenty bucks. Exactly. Yeah, you, you're gatekeeping <laughs> this movie from them. <laughs> it's just if I say what the movie is, everyone's gonna know what I'm writing, and yeah, yeah. You want to keep that? I think you've talked about it a little bit before. A little bit, yeah. But yeah, you don't want to give it away too much because this is something that you want to. You this is you really want to produce this. Yeah, yeah. This is like the first thing where I'm really writing it with like the intention of like maybe in like two or three years, like this could be this something. Could be it. Yeah. yeah, and it's like the thing where like I'm really trying to think of like okay all my talented friends, like how are they going to fit into this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Both actors and like a crew people we know. So yeah, no, you were, you were writing it and you were like, I'm going to purposely make sure Chase is not involved. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's awesome, dude. So you said you wrote like 20 pages last week, right? Uh, 10, 20. Yeah, I, I got like maybe 14. 14. 14 a week, which is long for me. And then. That's good in general, like, I would think. I'm at like 19 now. So it's still, it's like I almost think, a yeah. fifth. Yeah. I think you're doing, you're doing good. You're moving along. Welcome back to Rival Pitches, our new show that is bi-weekly. Last week, we were picking from the bowl. We made a really fun short film. But this week, this week, our genre slash, uh, what would we call it? Our topic? Prompt, maybe? Our prompt for Rival Pitches is animated movies that you would reboot in live action. Yes, yeah, so we are each picking an animated movie. Yes. And like which one deserves to have a second life? Yes. And of course, after we're done, we're going to give our rival pitches. Uh, go to the Instagram at written by pod where you will get to vote on which one you think is the winner at the end of the season. The winner will get a prize that we haven't determined yet. I'm so excited about this new show. This is so Me much too. fun. The first one was really fun. I hope this yeah. one doesn't go terribly wrong. We'll see. <laughs> All right. So we don't actually know what movie what animated features we each pick yeah all we know is the studio execs were like yo we don't mm-hmm. got any ideas all these disney movies are making a ton of money uh, mine is a disney movie oh okay nice okay yeah i actually thought mine was a disney movie for the longest time and then i found out it's not what is but... it dreamworks or pixar or like... uh... i feel like that's mostly all the animations do unless it's like paramount no it's warner brothers Oh, okay. Yeah, they made, okay. They made some animated stuff. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, who goes first? You want to go first? or I feel like I won first last time. So I go first. I really want to hear what you okay. got. Okay, yeah. all right. So I, I've got my notebook. All right, now just picture I'm I'm Bob Iger, uh, Kevin Feige. <laughs> Amy, no, Amy Pascal doesn't work for Disney. That's Sony. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm okay, just all guys. the execs. I'm like, yo, okay. All right. What you got? Robert. Yeah. You know what animated movie has been dying to follow in the footsteps of The Lion King, the other live-action reboots for Disney? (laughs) A little movie I like to call Meet 
the Robinsons. Oh my God! Yes, I do. Watched, you remember this? I watched this movie for the first time last year, so just really? like a matter of months ago. I never saw it as a kid. Oh snap! Okay, so it's kind of fresh in your mind then. Yes, I watched this as a kid. Loved it. Probably one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. I went to Disney World for the first time around the time uh, where I was watching this movie all the time on DVD. Mm-hmm. And they had a Meet the Robinsons like cafe. And I was super invested in it. So for those of you who have never seen this movie, I'll give you a short synopsis. Um, so basically the plot of this movie, it's about Lewis. He's a 12-year-old inventor. He grew up in an orphanage. Uh, His energy and his eccentric inventions have been running off and scaring off all the potential parents. And he's been spending all of his nights, staying up all hours of the night working on this new invention that's going to help refresh his memory and find his mom who abandoned him on the orphanage steps. Uh, He's got this like goofy little Pete Davidson looking roommate named Goob with like these dark eyes. He's become a meme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you, you probably got. You guys have probably seen the TikTok where like the guy's narrating and he's like, "They all hated me," and then the kids <laughs> are like, "Hey, you want to hang out with me after school?" <laughs> um, so basically, Lewis is at the school science fair. He's about to pr- show everybody his invention. Uh, bowler hat guy, who is the villain of the movie, has snuck into the fair and destroyed it so that way it didn't work for the judges lewis this was his like all is lost moment he's like my invention doesn't work i suck i give up on life and that's where he meets wilbur another teenage boy which is around his age a year older and he's like i'm from the future and you need to come back with me like it's a big thing where he ends up going to the future where he meets the Robinsons, this crazy eccentric family. They all got these crazy robot butlers and flying cars. And there's a they have a butler who's a giant octopus monster. And um, basically, the plot, the the conflict is Bowler Hat Guy stole Wilbur's family's one of his time machines, and then Wilbur uh, accidentally broke the other one. So he has got to get Lewis to fix it. And he's like, Lewis, you, you're the only one that can fix it. I believe in you. But, you know, he doesn't belong in this time. So he's got to make sure that the family doesn't know he's from the past. Whole bunch of shenanigans ensues. We find out. And I think this is one of the reasons I thought this would be great for a live action. I think that this story has one of the first ever plot twists that kids see. Like, when I was growing up, it was the first plot twist. And there's two of them. There's two plot twists in this movie. The first one is, the Robinsons is Lewis's family. Like, he's the father, and this is his kid. These two teenagers are father and son. The other plot twist is that the villain, Boulder Hat Guy, Boulder Hat Guy, is Goob from the orphanage. Those are two crazy plot twists for kids. I remember that second one being super crazy. I was like, what? So you just saw for the first time recently. Yeah. What did you see coming and what did you not out of those twists? Uh, I'm not sure if I saw it coming per se, but I wasn't like super surprised at like the, the Robinsons from the future, like kind of being related to him to a degree. 
Yeah. I kind of thought there was something there. But but definitely the kid being Bowler the villain. Guy. Yeah, Dude, that, that was crazy. That it's was a cool. great plot twist. And they're, they're two pretty solid plot twists. They do a great job of setting up the twists. Yeah. Like, because re-watching it today, knowing the twists, I was like, oh, they're hinting at it. It's like watching The Prestige. Yeah. Where you're like, wow, how did I not see that coming? And um, it's, a, it's a prestige for children. Is what it's essentially is what I'm saying. Yeah. Two great plot twists. The storytelling is really good. Um, So, yeah, great movie. If you haven't seen it, that was kind of a really chaotic summary. <laughs> um, Our listeners appreciate that. But, you know, I'm Bob Iger. I've seen every Disney movie. Right, right, right. I, I have that was programmed the, in my brain. That so. was for the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't for you, Bob. Okay. So I started off with my plot twist thing. I yeah. think that that, as a kid, was the biggest plot. That was my sixth sense as a kid. <laughs> like, that blew my mind. Yeah. And I think that it would translate super well into live action for a new generation because that movie did not do super great. Not a lot of people watched that movie. Uh, so I think it's time for a new audience. Um, another reason I think it should be a live action remake is it has one of the most iconic lines from my childhood, which is when the giant dinosaur said, I have a big head and little arms. <laughs> Everyone was talking about that joke on the playground at recess when I was a kid. It was hysterical. People loved it. The The humor in that movie, by the way, also really solid for its time because that movie came out in like 2005. I do, of course, have things I would change that I would adapt into live action. I would do it a little bit differently. The first one being I would um, I would shorten the first act. They spent a lot of time establishing uh, our orphan Lewis with the orphanage. We see him go through several interviews with parents. It's not working out. We see him. It, it's a lot. It's a lot of buildup before we actually jump into the plot. And the second act is a bit rushed. Like we don't like the whole movie is supposed to be Lewis going into the future shenanigans happens. What the movie is, is set up. Everything happens pretty quickly in the middle. And then the ending is pretty lengthy as well. So I would cut down the first act a little bit, getting rid of some of the fluff some of the extra stuff that wasn't needed, that was funny, but not necessarily needed. I would make act two bigger by, uh, there's a scene. So essentially the way it is in the animated movie is he gets there. Um, he's at dinner. There's like this really long, like spoof of a Japanese fight scene <laughs> just randomly at dinner. And it's like, this has nothing to do with the plot. <laughs> it's just like the mom versus the uncle. Mm -hmm. um, I would get rid of that. Um, and I would basically make it to where the dinosaur attack happens. The family teams up to try to face off against this dinosaur. Lewis becomes close with his family because they're trying to save him. I would have him get kidnapped and taken to the place that they... Because in the movie, Boulder Hat Guy kidnaps Lewis, takes him to the old orphanage. That's where he reveals the plot twist a little too early, I think. And he like is basically like, fix this machine for me. The way I would do it would be I would take it longer. Dinosaur fight. He kidnaps Lewis. And we see a little bit more of a lengthy process where he's like, you need to fix this machine. 
but it's like the Iron Man movie where he's taking his time fixing the machine because he's also secretly working on the plans to fix the time machine. Because at the end of the movie, he just kind of like jumps into the time machine and kicks some stuff and it works. There's no actual like showing him fixing the time machine. They're just like, take our word for it. He's a genius. I would have that Iron Man moment where he's like working on the machine for Bowler Hat Guy, but he's actually building up how to fix the time machine. So that way, when Wilbur, who is the, of course, the son slash best friend, <laughs> maybe we should make it a prerequisite for them to watch these movies before the episode. <laughs> Essentially, what I'm saying is, I'm cutting down act two or cutting down act one, mm-hmm. making act two flow a little bit better story structure wise. And then having the plot twist lead into act three because the, the plot twist happens a little early. I would change the bad guy's relationship with his hat. Huh? Okay. Because in the, in the animated movie, the hat is the brains and he's like this disgruntled invention and he's pretty much convinced the bad guy to do all the bad things. I would make it to where um, instead of Lewis in the future having created the hat and then getting rid of it because it was evil, I would actually have he made the hat, tossed it to the side because he didn't think it was very useful, and then Bowler Hat Man found it, Goob found it, and made it evil. I would have it be a little bit more of like he's a villain as opposed to just this idiot who's being told what to do by a hat. And then uh, I would change Wilbur's reason, which is, of course, the son slash best friend. His reason for it's his fault that the time machine got stolen was he left the garage door open. And they really make it seem like it's this kid's fault that all of this bad thing happened because he left the garage door unlocked. I think it would be a lot better if he has a fight with his dad at the beginning. He has a fight with his dad in the first act. And he's like, and he and they they have a big argument. And he's like, you know what? I, one of those classic Pixar moments where it's like, I don't even care about you, Dad, or whatever. And then Bowler Hat Guy convinces him to give away the time machine. I feel like that will hit more in the third act when they come back together, the dad and the son. There's a lot more forgiveness there because they, you know, they had a big fight before everything happened. I feel like this is a little confusing if you haven't seen this movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think it's good. I think it's good. Um, and then finally, the last thing that I would change is at the end of the movie, we have this kid who's been to the future, who's seen his family in the future and all of the inventions he's invented, and he sees everything about the future. He just goes back to his time with all of this knowledge and just lives his life, and nothing changes. Nothing affects the future. And I think that's a bit of a plot hole. So I think it should be, right before he goes back to his time, him of the future, the dad, wipes his memory of everything that happened and sends him back with a fresh start. Huh. And then, because at the end of the animated movie, there's the, the last scene... Uh, you see the kid Wilbur meeting, or not Wilbur, Lewis, meeting his adopted parents and being like, oh, those are the people that adopt me. I remember them. And then he sees his future wife and he's like, oh, that's my future wife. I think it would actually hit harder if his memory has been erased so he doesn't realize it. 
He doesn't remember these people. But we, the audience, know that's his future wife. Those are his adopted parents. And I think it would hit more for the audience. It's interesting. And that is why I think Meet the Robinsons should be (laughs) rebooted as a live action movie. Oh, I hope that wasn't too confusing, guys. I think I think if they see the movie, which I think most people have. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. If not, I'm sure there's a YouTube video of someone like meet the Robinsons in five minutes or less. Yeah, totally. Totally. If not, we'll make that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think I'm thinking maybe maybe we should go into feedback right away. Because like I I listened to the other episode. It was kind of like whiplash going from like two different. Yes, I agree. I agree. So as Bob Iger, I do have a few questions. Yes. Shoot, Uh, Bob. So first of all, I'm curious, like why, how you envision this animated movie translating into live action? Like what, what's like the look and the feel of the film going to be like? Okay. So I think that this could be Disney's back to the future Hmm. in the animation, in the cartoon. It's very like Jetsons, but I think it could be done like you modernize it to where it's like a very like Elon Musk takes over the world thing where it's like, um, very, um, what's the movie Blade Runner 2048. Is that what it's called? I, I was just about to say, yeah, you're, just, you're trying to make Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah. Essentially like super futuristic, super stylized. Yeah. However, it's a kid's movie like Tron legacy kind of huh. where it's super bright colors and it's super fun. And the cast I think the cast is a pretty fun cast, right? We got Paul Rudd as Bowler Hat Man. <laughs> he could kill that. You have uh, the kid, the 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 kid and the son slash best friend. Those two kids should, would be played by the kids from Jojo Rabbit, but switched. Like the chubby one with the glasses is the main kid, okay. the kind of like sweet inventor yeah. guy, and then you have Jojo. Who uh, he plays the the oh that futuristic teenage son who kind of mm. caused the shenanigans, super fun cast, Zoe Kravitz as the orphanage lady. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's what I'm thinking, Bob. Yeah. So how do you uh, like you talked of, like a lot about how this movie impacted your childhood and oh, like yeah. how how the humor of that really shined through it, like how. How would you try to replicate that for like a new generation? I would rewrite the dialogue. I would add a lot more of like modern jokes. But essentially, each wacky character is the joke on its own, if that makes sense. So like when you meet the Robinsons and each one, like Adam West has a character where he's a superhero, but he just delivers pizza. Like those can stay roughly the same. Those are still like Mm -hmm. funny archetypes but joke wise i would try to go a little bit more meta with it because like meta's in right now humor so it's like because if you've seen meet the robinsons the cartoon you're gonna know the plot twists so being a little bit more like winking towards the adults watching with their kids like you know what i mean yeah yeah, you know, you know what I mean, Bob. You know what I mean. <laughs> what if that's how I pitched a studio executive? You know what so I mean. You know what I mean, Bob. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just talking out of talking out of. 
What, what's your next question, Bob? Uh, so you uh, you talked about how the original one didn't make a ton of money. No. Yeah. I think that's a shame. So why why do you think it's a good financial decision for us to remake it? <laughs> It's all I, about the bottom line here. Here's Disney. why I think it didn't make any money. I think that it it came out at a time where if it's not a Pixar movie, no one was going to see cartoons. That's why I think it didn't do that great. Because it was Disney alone. It was not Pixar. The animation wasn't great. Dialogue was super witty and funny. The story was really cool. And they had cool plot twists. But the animation... Wasn't very good, especially when you look at like what Pixar was putting out at the time. You look at The Incredibles, and then you look at Meet the Robinsons, and it kind of looks like an off-brand Pixar movie. So I think in a uh, live action, if you really you know put in the the budget towards the the cinematography, you got a hit on your hands. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what are, I mean, just to get, like, a better idea of, like, tone, like, you know, what are, who are, like, the the DPs and the directors that we should be looking at? Like, who are people you think would translate your vision as a writer? I think the movie is directed by Jon Favreau. All right. Okay? But not Mandalorian Marvel movie Jon Favreau. Elf Jon Favreau. (laughs) Like... Kids movie, John Favreau, but John Favreau is really good at being funny in a kids movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cinematography, it has to be. Uh, the tone I'm getting is Futurama. You know what I mean? Yeah. Funny, lighthearted, but it's the future, and it's for children instead of adults. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you for coming in, Chase. Uh, yep. Just where should I sign the contract? Where should we let's get this thing going? Uh, we'll get back to you. <laughs> I'm about to go on vacation. Uh, oh well, I mean, yeah. Meet my secretary up front. We validate parking. Well, here, hold on. So. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but Paul Rudd is attached. Oh, you didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, I did. Oh. He's bowler hat guy. We owe him for Ant Man Fifty Eight. But yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, that's fun. I do I do think it's a very like strong movie. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I do like I, I I could picture it like being live action more just cuz like the wonder of like seeing a futuristic city yeah. but it like real people are in it like that. And that's it's kinda it's cool. for kids. So you're not yeah. you're not trying to do Blade Runner where it's like a dark and gritty thing. Yeah. You're doing Blade Runner but have fun with it. Yeah. Like it's daylight and not raining. Yeah, no, I can definitely see, like, just imagine, like, where the rich people in Blade Runner live. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. All right, Robert. Let's hear what animated movie you're pitching. What if it was Meet the Robinsons? (laughs) That would be crazy. (laughs) I was kind of worried you might pick the same one, but I think that would make for, like, a more interesting, like, rival pitches situation. If we both accidentally did, that would be cool. You would blow me out of the water, though, because you actually know what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I right. am I am really passionate about this one because like I've I've actually thought about this when you initially were like we should do like live action animated movie. I was mm-hmm. like I know exactly which one I'm doing because I've thought about this and there's only one animated movie that I think could like make the jump from animation to live action and not 
lose the the charm of animation but like it actually like could be enhanced by being live action okay and and that movie is the iron giant oh okay all right always been a huge fan of this movie. brad bird directed yes. that right yes yeah. i definitely think that this movie could translate into live action because if you think about like what typically like harms an animated movie going to live action it's that like there aren't as many like bright colors mm-hmm. and as much stuff going on everything's like kind of grayed out but like our main character is literally gray, gray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh usually like these characters are super expressive in the animated movies but when <clears> you put them on live action it's like you know the the lion king doesn't things are like yeah Mm-hmm. They just look pretty stale, but you know, our main hero is is literally yeah, just like a robot with very fixed facial expressions. Yeah, I'm looking at him now because I've actually i I think I watched it as a kid, but uh-huh. I was so young I don't remember it. I had the same situation. It uh, it was on in the background a lot when I was a kid, and I remember like bits and yeah. pieces of it. I went back and watched it as an adult, and was just like blown away by it. It has such a powerful story i feel like which is what one of the main reasons i think it should be made because i think i think the the theme of that movie like still really holds up i think Mm -hmm. it's a very like universal theme and i think it's something that people are like craving like right now especially and also like the iron giant like people are fans of it but like recently it's oddly like come back and Mm -hmm. it's been like horribly misrepresented oh wait really yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the whole the whole point of the Iron Giant is you have this robot that was designed for war and it forgets what it is and it befriends a really compassionate kid. Mm-hmm. And it kind of has like an identity crisis because, you know, it's made to fight and to kill people. Yeah. But he he doesn't want to do that. And the most memorable line is he says that he doesn't want to be a gun. He wants to be like a real person and that comes from this film was adapted from like an old comic book called like the iron man or giant i I don't know but brad bird like put a lot of himself in the screenplay the screenplay was inspired by he had a sister that was killed in an act of gun violence and that like wrecked him oh wow and he had the idea like what if what if the gun like didn't want to be to the do, gun you yeah know? yeah like what if it yeah like it didn't want to be forced to do this terrible act and so that was that was the whole like inspiration for the iron giant but then the iron giant turns up again in ready player one and in space jam and it's just a big fighting mech and it like completely goes against the main intention oh, really i didn't know of the character i didn't know it was in ready player one i haven't seen that either how does it show up in ready player one uh, you know, just every pop culture thing shows up in Ready Player One. It's just like in a big fight, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, I haven't seen the movie, so I didn't. Yeah, I need to watch it. It's on HBO. But yeah, I think uh, I think this movie definitely lends itself to live action because if you watch the animated movie, it's very much inspired by a certain type of live action movie. There's a. It takes place during the Cold War. And it's inspired, like, the robot design and everything is mm-hmm. inspired by a bunch of, like, really classic, like, B-movie sci-fi. Okay. And then, like, the vibe of, like, 
the main character a child that discovers this robot like that is very much lifted from like classic spielberg movies like et and stuff and so i almost feel like this is this is a way to like give the new generation their version of Um, like the spielberg like et even close encounters to a degree because i feel like i feel like kids are kind of missing that because really like the only movies that are really made for children right now are animated movies cartoons and then like the disney live action remakes yeah which one one thing i would change in like a a translation from live action from from animation to live action is the giant is definitely going to feel a lot bigger and a lot more imposing Mm -hmm. when it's an actual physical object and there's a human being to scale. Yeah. And I actually think that helps and almost like enhances the movie a lot more because all of a sudden this thing really does feel giant and it feels like it has this weight to it. Right. And yeah. it actually feels like it could be dangerous. Very, and like you could accidentally step on the kid or exactly, something. Exactly. Yeah. And so that, that helps our like gentle giant theme a whole lot. Mm. But also I feel like we could use that as an opportunity to like, make the movie like feel a bit more intense even like a bit more scary in some places just showing that like this kid hanging out with this robot like it could end very poorly and like every moment he's spending with it he's taking a risk but this kid is very compassionate and he believes in people yeah maybe i again it's been forever since i've seen the movie do they have a, a a scene where they're showing what he was meant to do yes they do that so, would be really terrifying in live action. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a heartbreaking scene in the movie because we establish this kid who hates like all suffering. Like we open on him, he's like taking care of animals and he yeah. brings in a squirrel oh. into a diner <laughs> and is like running around all over the place. When he first meets the giant, the giant is eating a power line because that's how he gets power but (laughs) then he kind of gets stuck and is electrocuted and the kid like helps save him but then for people that don't remember and don't mind spoilers like the moment where you figure out what he was meant to do is the kid is just having fun playing with the giant and he pulls out a toy gun and tries to shoot the giant and then the giant's like sensors go off and he goes haywire oh almost kills the kid this (laughs) this <laughs> this adult in his life like kind of like saves him the giant realizes what's happened and just like runs away really sad it's a, man it's a, it's a real powerful scene okay so i'm digging it yeah but like i would envision the vibe of it being the classic spielberg et all the things that it inspired super eight stranger things yeah mixed with like a more like intense element like some sequences that are almost like like shot like the Sam Raimi horror. Not that this movie mm-hmm. would be horror, but like how Sam Raimi like handled scary sequences in his Spider-Man movies. Right. You Where know? it's like, this is genuinely terrifying. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like that's something messing from some kids entertainment is stuff that's made for slightly older kids. That's like introducing them to some real yeah. concepts and actually like putting them on edge a little bit. And yeah, you know, things them. turn out in the end. Yeah, yeah, things turn out good in the end. I feel but... like I got most of my life morals from movies and shows yeah. and stuff. So yeah, and this one is just like packed with morals. Like yeah. a, there, there is a part in the original movie where this takes place during the Cold War era. Mm-hmm. The whole vibe of it is everyone is scared of everyone because you know Russia could drop a nuke at any moment. Right, and the giants like 
a stand-in for like the outsider that everyone's afraid of and like eventually learns to accept but uh there's a moment in the movie where they're showing a school full of kids Mm -hmm. one of those videos of a cartoon that's teaching you to duck under your desk in case a nuclear bomb drops and it's one of those things that's like funny but also kind of scary but like that kind of like represents what like children are growing up with now because every school school is like yeah they're making you do these traumatizing school shooting drills that was gonna be my bob's next question for you yeah was you know modern kids don't even probably they don't understand what the cold war was like they don't understand that Mm -hmm. fear how do you make it relate to them so you you target a little bit of that like the school shooting yeah yeah part of it is like this movie is so well placed in a specific moment in history that Mm -hmm. it's its own moment. But like the stuff going on in that is also universal and it's very much going on right now. So at one, it would show kids like the history aspect of what was going on back then, but also like it would, it would help them deal with some of the same things that they're going through right now, because like now it kind of feels like we're living in a scary time where anything can happen. Yeah. For sure. I, I really like that. I think that's good for modern audiences. Do you have uh, any cast in mind for a live action version? Yeah. So I, I try not to like super lean on that. That being said, there is an artist character. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is he's like this cool art dude that kind of takes the main character Hogarth and the giant under his wing. He makes metal art. And so, of course, that's a set off that leads to him right. hiding the giant in his thing. But uh watching clips of that movie uh that dude just is oscar isaac like okay so oscar isaac is attached i'm liking the sound of that exactly like he's just the right type of like effortlessly cool but could also like is a little bit like i don't know like trampy at the same time like if if you watch inside lewin davis like it's kind of he's that character in that movie okay so oscar isaac is a big star in disney right now he's attached i like that yep also uh the main villain, Kent. Yes. I love this character because he's he's the type of character that is like narcissistic, full of himself, and his whole goal is he wants to be known as the general that took down the Iron Giant uh, okay. at any cost. In a live action adaption, I would almost like want to lean more into him, like maybe being an outsider because like you see one clip in the movie it's a really quick shot but he works for a really obscure branch of the government the space force (laughs) space force oh i thought i had it written down it's like the federal bureau of i don't know oh yeah the fbi i've heard of them (laughs) it's like the fbi but the like (laughs) fbo or the fbu or something but like i would almost lean into like he's part of this outsider branch of the government and he's not really qualified to be making big decisions about war but But his ego and just being in the right place at the right time has like led to him doing this Mm. i think that's also something that's like familiar with kids growing up right now because not that this is new because it's like very old but with like how politics have been recently i think kids are starting to realize that like they're very flawed people that are making really big decisions yeah yeah so i think that's something that connects with them what kind of um sorry didn't mean to interrupt you oh but i am bob Iger. i do what i want (laughs) 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 yeah 
But you asked about actors, and so yes, that yes. character, like, who plays a narcissist better than Will Arnett? You know, perfect. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Again, one the classic written by of just throw Will <laughs> exactly, Arnett. Exactly right. There. You gotta. Yeah, this is our podcast. We gotta have Will Arnett. We love somewhere. Will Arnett, dude. Hey. Don't mean to branch off of this. That mm. thing you sent me where Will Arnett is a detective. Man. And yeah. He's got a new celebrity. <laughs> I think they'll be out by the time this podcast is I'm out. I'm excited for that. Um, so my Bob's next question. Yeah. Me, Bob Iger. What kind of director, cinematographer are you looking at for this? I was hoping you'd ask that because I had I had some plans, but uh Well, I just, you know, I always ask that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Bob Iger. So definitely the intention <laughs> of it is for the live action, we want to plant it very firmly in the Cold War era. Yes. We want that, like, classic Spielberg vibe of, like, teenagers mm. going out late at night, having yeah. adventures. We're going to introduce the new generation to that sort of vibe, and we're also going to make it a little scary at the same time. Okay. Just a little bit. I'm picturing, like, for the scenes that take place in the town, we want them to be very inspired by like Norman Rockwell type painting. Okay. You know? This is like the perfect American town. Everything's lit very softly. You got all the period place stuff. It looks like the perfect like American dream type Americana. town. Americana. Yeah. And then once the giant comes in, those sequences, they'd be lit by like the same, the same vibe as like the classic Sam Raimi films or even like a like a conjuring type movie, like the same color palette, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Where everything's like kind of dark in the shadows. You can't really make out the giant unless his like lights are like shining towards you. Just so like it's feasible that like he could be hidden in this yeah. forest. But or even like the same vibe as like the two Deathly Hallow movies, you know, those yeah. forest sequences. Okay. Like I'm our digging film it. would have a lot of stuff like that. And I'm so we'd it. go back and forth between like you know, the perfect American town and then this like kind of part on the outskirts yeah, where this giant is living. Okay. Yeah. I think my only note um, that I would want in the movie as Bob Iger myself, who is me, yeah. uh, I will green light the movie right now. <laughs> okay. But there has to be a shot super wide. I'm talking crazy wide. You just see the iron giant crouching down sunset behind him all you can really see because we're so wide but so you can see the whole monster uh -huh. and he's just holding the boy in his hand as long as that shot's in the movie I oh totally it's it. got it's got to be in the movie yeah, yeah, yeah totally there also there is a scene in the movie where kids are falling off a building and the giant catches yeah. them so you know you, gotta you got that, that shot right there yeah. yeah as long as the sunset behind him that's my one note there has to be a sunset uh -huh. behind the giant yeah but no, I mean, <laughs> yeah, just to close out this pitch, you know, like, I feel like this is a very relevant thing yep. that would speak to children now. Yes. I think it's the only animated movie that would be enhanced and benefit from live action because you get a true sense of scale. Except for, for this the Robinsons, giant. right. <laughs> 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 and the film is already like very much inspired by live action films. So, yeah, I yeah. think I think this is that is a, that's a, a solid pitch. All right, so you think that your movie should be made because it's very uh, relatable to times right now. It would be really important themes for children. I think Meet the Robinsons should be made because it should it would it would be an introduction to children 
for plot twists and and more advanced movies. Um, so now it's up to you guys to decide. Make sure you go check out on our Instagram. Again, it's at Written by Pod. You will see our our minute pitches for our uh, different pitches for rival pitches. You'll be able to vote on the Instagram which one you like the most. So make sure you go do that. Bye. Bye. <laughs> The animated movie that I would like to see remade in live action is Meet the Robinsons. This movie gave me two of the greatest plot twists of my life. When the one character ended up being the family, ah, and then the other one when the bad guy was the roommate at the beginning, that's crazy. And kids don't get enough of actual movie stories nowadays. Everything's fluffed up, a lot of jokes, a lot of just things for little kids dumbed down. We need to see actual movies with actual stories, with actual plot twists, so that kids can actually learn something morally, thematically, and it learns them to appreciate movies more and more as they get older. So that is why I want to make Meet the Robinsons live action at Disney. The one animated movie I think would not only work being adapted into live action, but actually be enhanced by it is The Iron Giant. I just feel like seeing the giant for real in a space next to a little kid, you'd get a true sense of scale. It would look so much more imposing and it would work so well with the theme that this was created to be a dangerous weapon and it doesn't want to be. I also feel like that story is just so vital and would impact a lot of children right now. We would be able to give them the same experience that kids in the 70s had watching old Spielberg movies like E.T., all the stuff that inspired it even like Stranger Things. I just think that movie lends itself really well to live action and just placing it in a point in history where it's during the Cold War, everyone's afraid of the other. I just feel like that message would really resonate with children today and truly like give them an experience that's not a fluffy animated movie, but actually scares them a little, gets them intense, but they come out safe on the other side. And there you have it. Those are our two pitches for this week. And now we pass it off to you, the listeners. It's time to vote for which pitch you like the best. Was it mine? Was it Chase's? We have tallied up the votes from last week. And the winner of our first Rival Pitch episode was me for my Daredevil pitch. So thank you to everyone who voted. And now it's time to vote again. So to vote, you're going to go over to our Instagram page, at writtenbypod on Instagram. You're going to look for our post from today. April 25th, it will have the same graphic as what you see in your podcast player for this episode. You're going to go to that post and under the post comment which pitch you like the best. Did you like my Iron Giant pitch? Did you like Chase's Beat the Robinson pitch? Let us know in the comments under that post. We will tally them all up. Voting will be open until May 8th. So you got just under two weeks. You got until May 8th to leave your votes. Let your voice be heard. Remember, at the end of this season, we'll be tallied up all the people that won on Rival Pitches. And whoever has the most wins will get a prize that we haven't determined yet. So it's all up to you who wins. Let us know which pitch you like the best. Again, that is at writtenbypod on Instagram. You're going to want to go ahead and follow that account if you aren't already. We got a lot of cool stuff going on there. We will also be posting our one-minute pitches as reels later this week, just to refresh your memory in case it takes some time to decide who you want to vote for. But yeah, writtenbypod on Instagram. 
Anyway, I'm Robert. Chase is the co-host. You can follow me at Robert two underscores Isaac and Chase at Chase Bridges two underscores. Our email is writtenbypodcast at gmail.com. On that email, you can send us suggestions for what you would want to hear us pitch for on a future Rival Pitches episode. We've been getting a lot of great emails, and we are definitely incorporating some of them in our future Rival Pitches episodes. So send all your suggestions to writtenbypodcast at gmail.com. And yeah, we will be back next Monday with another From the Bowl episode. This is a really funny one. Can't wait for you to hear it. But yeah, thank you so much for listening. Leave your votes for this rival pitch under our Instagram post, and we will see you next week.